Everybody. Welcome back to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast covering every single horror movie franchise, one movie in one episode at a time. And after October, we are back on our bullshit and we are back covering the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, joined once again by my co-host, Jerry Smith. Jerry, how are we? Well, we are recording this on election day, so, you know, it's a little topsy-turvy, but that being said, we are here to uh, do a commentary. Yeah. I love when I love when we do these, even if they're movies we don't agree on. Like, I had so much fun doing the Mandy commentary, you know, because yeah. I think deep down, deep down, you realized how wrong you were, and right. uh, <laughs> just right. kidding. No, but I am, I'm so excited about this. So, and, it's funny, yeah. because we're taking this movie from the Friday the 13th box set. Um, and what I'm seeing everywhere is the tide turning on Jason Goes to Hell. Like people are watching the director's cut with a new 4K scan. And they're like, holy shit, like this is the Halloween three of the series. This is really good. Everyone but my co-host, Jerry Smith. Who well, I, continues I, I, no, to... <laughs> those people that are reevaluating and finding that they like it, what I would strongly advise you to do is put in that unrated disc on the box set and watch that new Adam Marcus interview. It'll make you want to shoot yourself in the fucking temple. <laughs> Adam Marcus <laughs> was probably one of the best interviews we ever had. I this w- I will not I will not stand for Marcus besmirching on this show because he was one of the most engaging and wonderful interviews we ever had and damn it this will not you know, stand i'm sure i'm sure he plays a wild uh you know card game but that interview oh my lord but uh, yeah 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 jason goes to hell what a, what a gem what a gem <laughs> what a gem of a movie this is and what we're covering tonight is we we already did two episodes on freddy versus jason way back in the day when we did friday the 13th um we did an episode devoted completely to the making of that movie and all the behind the scenes shenanigans there. And then we just did our normal coverage of the movie, but didn't want to gloss over it. I wanted to make, you know, cause we're completists here, but we also didn't want to give you the same old, same old. So we are bringing back our longtime friend, Nat Bremar to the show. Nat, how are you? I am doing very well. And it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, so we brought Nat on. We are going to be doing a fan commentary right now of Freddy versus Jason. Um, and I think the way our commentaries typically go is obviously you want to, we're using the um, Blu-ray of Freddy versus Jason. You kind of want to have this thing at the ready. Um, but I think you can probably listen to this and not necessarily have to have the movie in front of you because I'm sure we will have like completely entertaining and engaging tidbits that will keep our audience titillated um even if I think you're people, not in front of your blu-ray 
I think people should listen to this commentary while they watch Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> Let me just say, show. this is what's going to be a house divided cannot stand. You know, um, and on election night 2020, listeners, you have a choice to make. What kind of country do you want to be? A country that recognizes the cinematic brilliance, that rewards directors taking wild out there big swings trying to do something different or do you want the same old same old are you like a jason takes manhattan or a new blood fan do you really want the same movie regurgitated over and over again or do you want worm jason and i say worm (laughs) jason god this is great already wow all right so before we murder one another, we are going to queue up. Um, gentlemen, are yes. we queued? I am yes. queued. I'm going to count down so from cute. three and on go. We're going to hit. We're going to hit play. Uh, three, two, one, play. All right. So, an audience, I would say this would be a good time. Pause us for a moment if you haven't grabbed your disc. Go ahead and do that. We're not going anywhere. Three. I heard. Oop. Yes, Jeff. Oh, I'm, I'm just, God, that my joke was not good enough to interrupt you. I'm so Go sorry. On, let's hear the joke. Now no. I want to hear it. <laughs> tell us, no, Jerry. I want to hear no, Now you have to tell the joke. Do I'm it, Gordon. Jerry right now. Right? Hi, Jerry. On a scale of one to like Cheech and Chong up in smoke, where are we at right now? Uh, I'd say I'm about a seven. But you're, no. So like, you're at like the Chuck and Friday the 13th part three level of. Oh, uh, no. I'm like the the rave the 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 silent Bob not silent Bob the J clone in Freddy versus Jason. Okay, right sorry. Okay. No, I, I misheard you at first. Like if you said you haven't like grabbed your discs already, I misheard you. So I thought you said pause yes. it in case you haven't grabbed your discs yeah. already. Yeah, you can do that too, man. I mean, okay. You... No more interruptions. I'm sorry. All right, let's go. Three, two, one, and play. Okay. One. You have the classic New Line logo, except it's tinged in red. I love it. No movie has ever gotten me faster than this. Mm-hmm. I was in here as soon as the Nightmare on Elm Street themed seemed changed to the. I yeah. had chills in the theater. Absolutely, and the, the I remember seeing this, if not opening weekend, then like pretty soon thereafter. Yeah. Um, and the audience was keyed for it. What do we think of the um, Freddy narration to start this movie? I, I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't mind it. I love that this is over 10 years after the last time we got mm-hmm. Freddy flashbacks and it still works. Yeah. Like I looks... still buy this as pre-burn Freddy. Mm-hmm. Well, he all, England also looks like almost younger than he did in Freddy's Dead, if that's kind possible. Of. Like it's weird. Like I met I met Robert England around this time, and he didn't. He looked nothing like this. Well, I'm sure like I, you know he did some training. I'm sure that you know, like a lot of actors do when they know they're gearing up for a big role. I'm sure he like cut out a lot of the fat. You know, ate a lot of lean protein and a lot of like fruit and veg. Cut the booze for a bit. I love imagining that uh, Robert Englund went through a fucking Hugh Jackman diet to fight Jason. I I love it. You know, he got a little bit, you know, he's going up against a massive killer, you know? Yeah. Um, And I do love, you know, the the Freddy makeup is, 
I don't want to say so-so because I think it is really good here, but the um, the eyes right here really work for me. Yeah, and I love what this opening sets up, in, mm -hmm. which we'll see with Jason in a minute, is that mm -hmm. we completely define the characters right yes. here in the opening with yeah. their two versions of hell, in mm -hmm. that Freddy's hell is that he is in a void, absent of being able to do the thing that he loves to do. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Jason's hell is that he is essentially doing the same thing right. over and over forever. Right. Here's what's interesting is they show the clips from the previous Elm Streets because I have the Elm Street Blu-ray box set. Mm -hmm. It looks, these clips look better here than they do on the actual box. They look like they've been retouched or remastered. Like they They're recolored really good. for yes. sure. The box well, set looks just like upconverted DVD. Like it does not look good. My A favorite thing movies. about this montage, my favorite thing about this montage is that it almost feels like the first four Friday the 13th films, mm -hmm. you know, that you mm -hmm. get that kind of flashback of everything that happened. So totally. it kind of ties, ties into the crossover right from the beginning. Right. And speaking of tying into previous things, we that shot going onto the mask there, there was, um, they shot for this movie, uh, essentially an opening picking up immediately after the end of Jason Goes to Hell, where we kick off with the glove coming up out of the ground and grabbing the mask and mm -hmm. goes straight from there. Uh, I really wish that it stayed in because it's yeah. still in some of the trailers and everything. I like this opening sequence a lot. Yeah, one thing I love right from the start with this movie is I think this is one of the most visually dynamic movies of either franchise. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the most sleek, stylish, best looking uh, out of either franchise. And I think that if you were going to have a movie that had such a distinct uh, visual style of its own, this is the one. Mm -hmm. This yeah, is the I, movie I to really go for broke on that. Well, I think because you have two movie or two franchises that are so different from one another in their approach, typically, that having a, a, a look that doesn't really remind you of either one throughout mm -hmm. it, I think is a smart way to go. That it's almost like you're on a neutral playing field in terms of the look or the style of the movie. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I really think that... Um, there's kind of a perfect marriage in, uh, you know, having Shannon and Swift write it and Ronnie, you directing it and that you have writers who clearly know this, both franchises inside and out. Mm -hmm. And you have a director who's bringing in a totally fresh perspective. Right. And I think that balance really works. Almost like an irreverent perspective overall like almost like he's like eh. he kind of it's it, it he treats it very much like i'm going back and watching a lot of the old universal films very much like a um by the time you get to like the late straight stage frankenstein movies the frankenstein meets the wolfman or dracula meets the wolfman where mm -hmm. they're almost played as comedies at that point mm -hmm. well he he didn't really care for either series prior to taking this movie on right when well, he he'd never seen he'd yeah. never seen any because, of them because you know what's crazy is usually I I when I think about Ronnie you and this and this film in particular it kind of bums me out it's like why did you get someone that didn't you know really know what made them work but watching it right now and I watched it earlier this week with my kids 
like I think that kind of works for the film you know he mm-hmm. comes in with something new he doesn't come in with this kind of like preconceived idea of what it should be mm-hmm. and it's very much its own thing mm-hmm. yeah now originally Betsy Palmer was offered the opportunity to come back and play Jason's mom mm-hmm. and I think she famously said like I read the script and I hated it there wasn't enough for me to do like I'm an actress damn it give me more um it would have been nice to see her yeah. come back for this. I think that would have been a nice tie-in to this overall, you know, but it is, I think we were still about four years away from um, Betsy Palmer kind of embracing her yes. role in the franchise lore. And I think yeah. that goes hand in hand with her realizing like, hey, I can make more on the circuit, you know, the festival circuit than I did, you know, playing the role. So God love her, rest in peace, Betsy Palmer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love the uh, little little bait and switch that Freddie does, though. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's such a good it's it's such a good way to kind of give you a glimpse of what the dynamic between Freddie and Jason's going to be in this. You know, like Freddie's yeah. very mm-hmm. much playing with Jason, so I I love that they establish that right from the get go. Yeah, I, I mean I don't love... I don't know I don't know about the new metal soundtrack, but you know, <laughs> it did have that really good kill switch song. Uh, yeah, yeah, that I is... do love that. Uh, the whole plot hinges on Freddie being a prideful fucking idiot. Yeah. Freddie's a dick. Yeah. It seems to borrow a lot from the I, Peter Jackson's idea that Freddie's been forgotten, that he's almost like a punchline. Um, mm-hmm. and that he needs to come, he needs to like reemerge to gain his strength back again. It doesn't quite a hundred percent follow that idea. Like people aren't going into the dream world to kind of beat yeah. freddy up but it does because that whole plot hinged on concept. everybody knowing who right yeah that plot hinged on everybody knowing who freddy is and this mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of the whole freddy thing i i think this goes back to the original in a really interesting way mm-hmm. and that this takes kind of some of the core themes of the original elm street and just like like blows them up sure. that, yeah you know like you know, you have that inherent mistrust of the parents in the original mm-hmm. film, and now that's town-wide. Yeah. Now that is mm-hmm. literally every adult is mm-hmm. hiding something. It is a huge like, you know... Well, it, it almost feels... No, totally. And it almost feels like that Etchison script of Halloween 4, where all mm-hmm. of Haddonfield is trying to, like, you know, erase any mention or uh, thinking back of, you know, to mm-hmm. Michael Myers. But yeah. what's, what's crazy about this is I know most Destiny Child, Destiny's Child fans probably think this movie didn't do enough with Kelly Rowland, but as a horror fan, like one of my issues with this is that, like, it bums me out that Catherine Isabel is in this role, but like mm-hmm. they don't really give her much to work with. Because, yeah. I mean, underused, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's. I, I don't think she gets enough credit, but I mean, there's no reason why she shouldn't be on the level in the horror genre that like Daniel Harris or Absolutely. a lot of those actors oh, are. Yeah. I mean, Ginger Snaps is my favorite werewolf movie of all time. And she's been in so much throughout the years. Yeah. Her turn in Hannibal. Um, yeah. Obviously this American Mary, I think, which is like one of her real, you know, first opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and again, she just turned 40, which is incredible to me. Like she is. And I, I mean, she's just, I think obviously one of the most stunningly, beautiful women in the country i mean i absolutely adore 
Catherine she's Isabella in, uh, pretty no, much totally. she does. She's in this really great slasher that not a lot of people watched called uh, Girl in the Photographs. I really yes. like that one too. Yeah, it's another really good underrated. What did I I literally just saw her in something that I completely forgot she was in. Uh oh, disturbing behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, Monica like Kina too, coming off. I remember Monica Kina from Undeclared, yeah. um, from the from the Paul Feig from uh, Freaks and Geeks, like his follow up to that. Another show that got didn't really get its due. It was canceled way too early, and you see the level of talent that was in that between like Jay Bacharel and um, mm. now I'm completely Did... gone completely drawing a blank. Oh, Charlie Hunan and yeah, I, I thought that show was like wicked. Uh, Martin Starr. Um, yeah. wickedly funny television show and Monica Kino was the lead in that. Um, did either uh, did either of you guys like the Night of the Demons remake with Monica? I Kino? did. I thought I she was it. genuinely the perfect person mm-hmm. uh, to play that role. I was at the uh, Chillerama premiere years ago at Hollywood Forever Cemetery and it was like packed and I ran into Adam Girosh, the director of that remake, and I was like, hey, dude, like, I loved Night of the Demons. And he's like, wait, the remake? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, my friend James is here. Like, you should talk to him. I'm nobody. And it was like James Wan. So, like, he came <laughs> up and we just, we just talked about, like, Night of the Demons and horror films for, like, 20 minutes while the movie Great. was playing, while, like, the premiere was going on. Like, neither of us watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. And then yeah, James the- once said, What do you think of Jason Goes to Hell? I love it. And you got up, stormed <laughs> off. Oh, like it's no Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. But Monica Kina said that when she was a, a little girl, she was so scared of Freddie. Yes. That like her, that her parents like put up a picture of Robert England just to like prove to her that it's just a guy playing a role. You Which know, is great parenting too, it to really help kids is. be less afraid. But my question is this. When she was a little kid, it was probably pre-internet. Where the fuck did they get a normal picture of Robert England? Fangoria. Yeah, I know. think they got it in like a Fangoria. I think wow. that's a great way. Like that's part of why I have like all my old Fangorias for when I have See, you know, mm-hmm. kids is to be like, hey, here's how they do it. So yeah, that yeah. you know my, it's fake. Yeah, my daughter who's 10, like she watches a lot of horror that she wouldn't be oh, I'm gonna pause for a moment because there's Catherine Isabel riding and then her, fr- her and friends walking in and her other. Yeah. That dude is one of the great chodes in, <laughs> in uh, char- chode characters in slasher well, movie. What I was going to say is that dude that plays the dickhead in this was just in a movie that we had, we did an episode on a uh, month or oh, so ago. Oh, yeah. What was it? He's, was, the lead, um, he's the lead in Joyride 3, and he's actually right. likable in that movie. He is. He really is. You're right. Thought I recognized those abs. Um, you know, he, this is a great kill, by the way, right here. This is a classic Jason over the top kill. Um, you know, my daughter who watches a lot of horror that like usually wouldn't let a 10 year old watch it. Like she's been on some film sets for my friends that have directed shorts. She's appeared in one. Mm -hmm. Like she kind of sees how they're made. And I think like she'll talk herself through the scary bits sometimes. And that used to annoy me a little when we'd watch a movie, but now I realize that's her way of coping. Mm-hmm. Like she'll talk a little bit with how the movies are. Oh, look at that. Just is... your guys' your approach to like parenting or just the idea of it about, you know, Fangoria and teaching them that this is how they do it and that stuff. 
that's admirable. But for me, I say, this is real. This is going to happen <laughs> outside your window if you mm-hmm. don't go to bed. <laughs> Love it. Love the backbreaking scene. Oh, oh my God. Oh, Sheriff Garrick so in part good. six, but even sicker there. By the way, I just have to address that we all glossed over the fact that they just tried to play uh, Mary Fucker Kill with fucking Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> oh. What do we think of Ken Kersiger as Jason? I know one of the big love it just running out in a bloody towel in the pouring rain, like which is the I... right move. Absolutely the right move. Like, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. I am so torn because I genuinely feel like Kane Hodder was totally shafted in yeah. the way he was let go from this movie. But I also really love Ken Kersinger's Jason. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea like how to feel about it. <laughs> I love Ken Kersinger in general. Like I, I, I don't want to make this into a Joyride 3 like, <laughs> <laughs> fan episode, but he is so good in that movie too. And he's in my favorite scene in Hot Rod. Like, have you guys seen that one? Where, <laughs> yeah. like, he's the guy that's pissed that they're, like, fucking with, the, like, his, uh, I think, trash can or, or trailer or something like that. And then Danny McBride beats his ass. <laughs> I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. Yeah, yeah I, You know, and I know, like, Herzinger has said, like, you know, Hotter gave me his blessing. He was disappointed. But I think Hotter, he is still really, and I think rightfully so, I mean, if you're Kane yeah. Hodder and you're given question, you know, some of the more questionable material in the Friday the 13th series. Yeah. I mean, you get Jason in space and now you have a chance to really cash in and you're thrown to the curb and no one will yeah. really tell you why. Yeah. I can see being upset. Well, you're also explicitly told that you're going to be in it pretty much right mm-hmm. up until the time of filming. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord! I wish they brought Richard Brooker back for Freddy versus Jason. You need that. I think they should have brought back Ari Lehman. <laughs> oh my God! Oh God! Oh. Do you do you guys remember? Like I think it was 2013. The Ari Lehman uh, kind of like uh, the situation that happened. Yes. I know I exactly no what idea. you're talking about. I, I know no exactly what you're talking about. about. I want to hear okay. this. So I guess Ari Lehman was coming on to, and this is verified, trust me, I got the text. I'm this sure is... Nat did. I'm sure Nat did too. Ari Lehman was coming on to This is going a... in the commentary, huh? Yes, it is. Ari Le- I don't give a shit. It's election day. Jerry's, uh, in Ari... eight. Jerry's seven or eight right now with the baked meter. So the Ari shit's Lehman... going to get real. Yes, yes, it is. Ari Lehman was coming on to a fan, and the fan gave their number to Ari Lehman to text or whatever. He thought it would be great to send a picture of him holding his dick to the fan. Uh, by the next day, everyone in the whore community had this photo sent to their phone. <laughs> I woke up, it was 2013, I woke up to a text message of Ari Lehman holding his dick that looked like Deadpool without his mask on my phone, wondering what the hell is going on. So I cannot watch the first Friday 13th without thinking of <laughs> Ari Lehman's Deadpool dick. But yeah, I love Not Ari Lehman's Jason. Not no. a good idea. Well, I think one of the disappointments here of getting this movie and we're going to let the Ari Lehman story go. One of the disappointments here of getting this movie in like 2003 um, is you're now in the CGI 
age. And they just showed it with like the blood splatter on the floor. I was watching behind the scenes how they couldn't get practical blood splatter right. So they just went straight to CGI. And yeah, I think it really, it doesn't pay off. I, I think that's one of the things that is a bit disappointing here is yeah. the I mean, CGI blood right there in particular. Yeah. I, I think I, when that happens, it's very noticeable. I mean, yeah. I love Devil, I love Devil's Rejects, and I'm one of the few people that really love Three from Hell. But the problem with both of those, the CGI blood and all of the that stuff kind of takes me out of it when movies do that, especially those ones. There is, however, and again, I granted I'm coming from the standpoint of I fucking love this movie, but I do see some some major issues with it. The CGI is definitely like extremely noticeable. This many years out but i will say there was one cg shot in this movie that looks fantastic mm-hmm. uh is and it, it's it's the, the jason no it's not the freddy pillar <laughs> uh it's the kind of jason's mind sequence when he's walking through like you know like a, a world of crystal lake with like mm-hmm. a lightning storm raging around him yeah and it's so gorgeously put together mm-hmm and I do think that, like... I didn't know Alex it, Jones was in this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what set him on his conspiracy theory yeah. when his son was beheaded. Oh. Fucking oh, <laughs> Blake's gonna wake up to see his dad beside with a frog suit. <laughs> oh. Oh, totally I want to check out that Pepe Le Pew documentary, The Feels Good Man about the creator of Pepe trying to like take the character back from the right wing chodes. Okay, first of all, you, you know that Pepe the Frog and Pepe Le Pew are, are Yes, I, right? as, as soon as I said that, <laughs> I'm like, they're two different characters. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew, the romantic skunk in the Warner Brothers cartoons. Pepe the Frog, I'm sorry. <laughs> Gosh, it's been a week, all right? It's, it's been, been a, a day. Week. It's 2020 has been a whole decade all right there's a a satanic goat in this movie yeah (laughs) i think i like this idea of like freddie not having enough mojo to really he's so annoyed here's Mm -hmm. my biggest issue that is entirely credited up to the david goyer rewrite which is when freddie will break to explain the plot to mm-hmm. the audience like every 10 minutes like right, right. there when he's like literally telling the audience i'm not strong enough i'll yep. have to let jason <laughs> do his thing and that is there was literally interviews where gory was like look the the fans the people who watch freddie and jason movies are not smart right like, these people don't know how Yikes. to read so they need to have the plot like explained and that's like why he did it and oh my god that inter- that interview pissed me off so much 17 fucking years ago i guess right I mean, Goyer, I mean, Batman Begins it might be, is, is, you know, not terrible. Um, I love it. Goyer is kind of a hack. I mean, overall, like, he's not... The stories from think... Blade Trinity. Was I wish when... we could get a making of movie, like a narrative film about the making of Blade Trinity. Yeah, that would be that would be terrific with Wesley jo- with Wesley Jordan, Wesley Snipes hiding in his trailer and I think communicating said, I, in post-it notes. I thought you said Leslie Jordan at first. Yeah, oh I know. my! 
So I was thinking of Leslie Jordan and played Trinity. <laughs> no, not not oh. Jason goes to Hellstar, Leslie Jordan. <laughs> that would also be absolutely See, incredible. Oh god. Jason Ritter's great in this movie. I was telling Nat, I was telling Nat before we started recording that I remember when this was in production and, you know, I was reading, I was a big fan of like variety and reading the trades and stuff, even as like a teenager in early twenties, I remember being really bummed that Brad Rimfro couldn't pull his shit together to play that role because, you know, he was cast first and he was kind of still struggling with his substances uh, before, it, you know, tragically led him to take his own life. I was really bummed about that. But when I watched it, Jason Ritter's really fucking good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even though he's never not smiling. <laughs> Watch it. Watch the movie. He's smiling at every line he delivers. I always thought I, that guy was Donald Logue for the longest time. <laughs> and I think I think it's the Crystal Lake Memories book where the cast talks a lot about working with Ronnie Yu and how they felt like I in I don't want to make light of anyone's struggles with mental illness, but I think like Ronnie Yu was struggling with like severe depression while mm. filming this movie. And there were a lot of times they felt like he, he was not necessarily engaging with them in terms of like what they wanted to see for their performances. So mm-hmm. a lot of that comes down to maybe not getting any sort of direction from you saying like, Hey, maybe dial back the happy, you know, the happy grinning there a bit. And anyway, I think, very much like Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, holds for fart. The villains that it is. <laughs> I watched this, like I said, I watched this with my kids earlier this week, and I think it was the first time that I realized that he farts on the glass when he does that. I remember hearing that in the theater, but also, like everything about that theatrical experience is burned into my memory. Mm-hmm. So what's what's really cool about this? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the same hospital from Dream Warriors in the whole yes, like story? This of is it? explicitly Weston Hills. Weston Hills, yeah. and this is the first time Hypnosil comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, that's what I'm saying. Like this movie made a lot of, you know, took great strides to make a lot of clever connections to previous mm-hmm. films in both franchises. And and it didn't have to. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. the audience that would that were go- the audience that was going to see Freddy versus Jason didn't need these little things, but like as longtime fans, it's really awesome to see that really admiration and reverence right. towards the series that Shannon and Swift had. Mm-hmm. What if you brought back Craig Wasson in the role here too? If like instead of this being the dad, Craig Wasson was the dad. I think that would have been a great tie-in. And he was still just like a wet mop the whole time. You no, know, or you got Bill Maher to fill in in the role, you know. Um, but no, I think <laughs> oh that would have been. God, but like, holy shit! Like, if you had Craig Watson as the dad here, then it could explain that she's living in the house because then mm-hmm. uh, Lori could be Nancy's daughter, and then the whole death of her mom that she get brought like could have been Nancy's death. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I think that would have been a nice little tie-in. But yeah, I mean, given, and I I encourage listeners, go back and listen to part one of our Freddy versus Jason coverage because we basically cover, I think, any major attempt or um, treatment that was turned in for Freddy versus Jason. 
given some of the out there stuff, mm -hmm. um, whether it be redheads, you know, cult, Freddy cultists that were out to worship Freddy or Jason Voorhees being a real world character, a real world person in the Friday the 13th movies being like fictional takes on him, kind of like Stab in the Scream series. Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, I, I really enjoy this movie. I know it has its flaws, but you've got to think as good as you're going to get in terms of... I, I truly think so. I, I remember saying this during that episode. One of my favorite scripts for Freddy versus Jason that I read like years before this one was made uh, I can't remember who wrote it and I've been dying to find that script again. I think I read it when I was like 17 or 18 was it took the survivors from Jason goes to hell and Alice from four and five and brought them together to face both of them. Yes. And it, it was, was such a good script. Did that, that also have the... Tommy Jarvis in it? No, I don't think so. It's yeah. It's Paula May and, uh, uh, the the actress that that played the the survivor in Jason Goes to Hell and Lisa Wilcox's character it's just those three and it ends up with this huge brawl between them and there's like Michael Myers mask there's leather faces and chainsaw on the wall it was mm -hmm. like such a cool script mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that was that one of the that was one of the only other scripts uh, before this one that was set in the continuity of both movies mm -hmm. this is yeah. Because I definitely, because I was that's kind of what I was getting, I was kind of the balance this strikes with both franchises yeah. is that most scripts, especially because they were coming from, you know, virtually everybody in Hollywood took a crack at it. Yeah. Uh, most James scripts and, and Jonah Hill <laughs> look so young right here. <laughs> now, wasn't if I see, I think that they said this in Crystallic Memories, the book, because I mean, you know, we, we consume so much information on this that it gets lost sometimes mm -hmm. where I read it at. But the guy that's kind of like the the Jay clone in this wasn't he the character very different prior like when he signed up wasn't it less Jay and Silent Bobbish very much so I, yeah. yeah I think so I love that they actually got Jason Mewes just for a single <laughs> moment and never sleep again yeah to be like oh yeah I love to be like oh wait I wasn't in that fucking movie excellent. <laughs> now you have uh oh god what's her name from Lost in the background right there. Yeah, yes. um, Kate from Lost. That would be, oh crap, I can't think of who Evangeline Lilly, the yes. Lost yeah, herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. About a year away. A year away from, oh, from yeah. Lost. Yeah. This was like before, immediately before. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. a, like about a year or two before Lost came out, I remember seeing her on one of those live links commercials for like basically phone sex operator. Like it was a commercial. <laughs> so when Lost came out, I was like, wait, why is the phone sex commercial girl like stuck on this island? Um, Brandon Fletcher's great in this too. Mm -hmm. Like he's a, he's a little short, but you know. <laughs> No, I really yeah. like his character and his performance. Uh, what's crazy is like, yeah, this movie has issues, but I, I don't think there's many like weak performances in the entire thing. No. Like, I we, mean, obvious, we, obviously it's a little like over the top during the rave shit, but like, to, like our principal actors, they're really mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And of course, we did just Bob, Bob have still the, which I love that since Nightmare 4, he's upgraded from teacher to principal. Excellent. <laughs> He's gone from leather daddy to teacher to pretty right. You know? Yeah. 
ticket taker and uh, Freddie. Do you think Bob Shay still keeps the Leather Daddy outfit from part two around and I, maybe breaks I would. it out that, it, it just reminds me of a time when I was watching a. This is a total tangent, but I was, I was at a Q and A panel from uh for from beyond with barbara crampton and Stuart gordon and carolyn gordon and a question from the audience was asked to barbara crampton as to what happened to the uh, outfit uh, <laughs> that she had in the film the the the, the no i know i know <laughs> and uh, she was just like no i could i could keep that she was like uh you know she was like you know i don't I don't wear that around the house. And Karen Lindgord was immediately like, well, I bought it and I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's Love funny. It. And again, the CGI notes a few seconds ago is... Yeah. Just we get we one of did just uh, have one of the two worst lines of the movie. And I can probably say this because I love this movie so fucking much, but uh, I will never get over the... Uh, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Do you know why they say that? Because yeah. that's when he comes for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that, or it's like, oh god, Freddy hates fire. Jason, he yes. gets to that. Oh. The infamous, infamous Goyer line. But yeah, but I will say that terrible line we just had. Brendan Fletcher delivered it with such Ooh. conviction. Lord. You think people oh. watch this now are like, what the hell is this? What are those like, things in the background? You could scroll through the internet left and right. <laughs> <laughs> a building with books. What are those? What? <laughs> What's a book? Um, My kids are doing the virtual learning thing and when they're on break or when school's over, they'll be like, hey, dad, can I read? I'm like, yeah, of course. Because I spent like 150 bucks on different books at the beginning of this pandemic Mm -hmm. for them to kind of build their own library. And then I'll go in there and they'll just be like on their laptop looking at like eBooks and stuff, which is Mm -hmm. fine. But it's like, dude, just pick up a fucking book. Mm -hmm. You know what I was reading in the summer of 2003? (laughs) So much... (laughs) That it is now literally I picked it up today and it's almost like worn is the novelization to Freddy vs. Jason. How different is it? Uh, it's pretty similar. It has a lot more stuff at the beginning. So you actually like kind of open it up with Freddy's arrest and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Trial this is and a shag and wagon right a here. bit of Jason goes hell there. But my favorite thing about the novelization, which I posted on Twitter one time, it was like the one thing that even Shannon Swift didn't know is that like, I've read the script of this movie and there's no mistake made there. And the novelization was going based off the script where Freddy explicitly has four knives, like every other movie, except for new nightmare, you know, Mm -hmm. in this film, the Mm -hmm. entire novel refers to Freddy's glove as having five knives, which means they novelized the entire script and every time they saw four knives in the script, they thought, those fools. <laughs> <laughs> now, do the novelization like talk about how badass the black light is in this band? Yeah, this is the absolute... <laughs> there should be like six pages devoted to the shagging wagon here. because this, this entire wagon reminds me of every party I went to when I was 16 yeah. with, a, with a cassette of fun-loving criminals. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, this van is down to fuck. 
and they're going to do, do so with like G Love and special sauce on the stereo. <laughs> if it were that name in so long, if it were the Jason go, or if it were the Jason X novelization, which is four hundred fucking pages, it would have gone into that. What? <laughs> what the fuck? Is it like twenty six point font? Like think actually pretty much yes, but. Think about like every single thing that's mentioned uh, in um, Jason X. And yes, the novel goes into it in explicit detail, no matter what it is. The Microsoft conflict where we were beating each other with our own limbs. I hope you want to hear all about that actual oh conflict. Oh my God. <laughs> Excellent. I need this. <laughs> so uh, fun thing here is I remember a story that Adam Green told where he was actually up for the role of the uh, scumbag glow stick partier that (laughs) tries to make a move on passed out Gib. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, and he didn't actually want the role, but he read for it and competed for the part just because he was Adam Green, a huge horror nerd, and he wanted to read the script. That's funny. Oh, Chris Marquette, bless your soul. Uh, An old pre, friend of mine. Free girl like next door. Him standing uh, up to the bully right here. A friend of mine was the webmaster for this actress called Margot Harshman that was on Even Stevens years ago. I mean, this is like early 2000s. And my friend did her website and she was dating Chris Marquette at the time. And my friend, Zeb, like, Every time he would go to the set to talk to her about like the web stuff and stuff, Chris Marquette like wouldn't even look at him or talk to him because he wasn't an actor. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do like right here. Like the kids are starting to talk about Freddie a little bit. You know, oh yeah, like they're oh. whispering his name, and you hear the parents are freaking out. Like I do like that. That kind of it's yeah. almost like there's a whisper campaign going on for totally. yeah. Freddie. Totally, I really like the way that's kind of laid out and starts to mm-hmm. spread and and i mean mm-hmm. this sequence like i showed up in the theater and i was there for freddy vs. days and the movie really delivers on that but i was not expecting when i went into this movie uh how fucking rad the uh fiery corn maze sequence is gonna oh, be yeah yeah what was what cool is you know in in a lot of filmmaking like when they do dance things there's like no music playing so they just have to like make up their own shit as they go or there's different music playing. Can you imagine being one of these rave guys with little or no music playing? You just have to come <laughs> up with whatever the hell you're doing. They should have put on uh, back in black so that everybody. This would just be a whole <laughs> cornfield of Crispin Glover well, dancing. There's there's this. There's this AFI song. It's the second song on their Sing the Sorrow album called The Leaving Song. And the video, the music video for this AFI song is just like crazy, like brutal, hardcore dancing. When they were filming the music video, they didn't play the playback playback for the dancing sequence. The the moshing wasn't this AFI song. They played Hate Breed. So it would actually (laughs) look tough. And then they'd put like this kind of like, you know, not so tough song on the music video. So yeah, I love some it. Shinfo, Shinfo. Now this is actually one of my favorite sequences in the entire movie, just because I mean, it makes me so happy to see any raver get killed. You know, so mm-hmm. 
<laughs> this is also classic dick freddy because people like keep in mind like how long it had been since audiences had seen you know been nine years since any freddy but especially since they'd seen like classic you know robert yeah. main universe freddy yeah and not like, like the super dark uh, new nightmare take and this is like you know way back to like you know i think for a movie like this it was really smart to embrace like the late 80s wave of freddy mania and have a very like new like dream master era freddy like mm-hmm. with the fucking like got your nose bit and everything like i think it was like the right call to take the most commercial version of freddy Sure. That was that, in the like, collective memory. And it's it's a super burning hot take, I know, but like I I was never the biggest fan of like the really jokey Freddy. Like I like the first two films, I think, the most, that and four. But that said, I was so happy when it was kind of a return to that with this one. Because as much as I love New Nightmare and I love it so much, like you know, for this kind of film, you need that kind of Freddy. You know, it would be yeah. it would be hard, if not impossible, because you have a character in Jason that doesn't speak at all. Yeah, have I mean, like a Freddy that just kind of lurks in the shadows. Like that's that would the be, other it, thing. Totally, it would you... be it would be more like the like the Lodge versus Jason. You know, with that kind of Freddy, like you don't want something yeah. too bleak. You want you know a little like playful. Right. Yeah. This is not an A24 movie here. I mean, it's... No. Yeah. You want that era, that, like, you know, Nightmare 4, even Freddy's Nightmares era of trash-talking Freddy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her right there. He's just staring at his glove. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I know. I love how much kind of holds this pokes in... in freddy's stick because it's completely in character mm-hmm. yeah you know for him to uh you know try to map this all out right and then get you know essentially cock blocked here but even <laughs> even here when she falls and you know he's in the middle of his fucking speech like that's the kind of shit i love because anything that kind of reminds us that freddy is just you know you know, a lot of what he's doing is an act. He's just a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's just an asshole. This guy, he looks like like Rob Zombie's brother. <laughs> oh, God. I wrote, like, about nine or ten years ago, or maybe less, when Fearnet was still a thing, I wrote a pilot that I was trying to pitch to them called Freddy and the Boys. And it's about three. No, it gets bad, dude. Trust me. It's about three struggling actors that move to LA and all get this like apartment together. They don't know it's the Elm Street house, and their <laughs> landlord, <laughs> their landlord is Freddy, and he comes in their dreams. And like, the, you know, there's a cupboard that's like the hinges are off, so he'll look at it and be like, "This is odd. I'll get it fixed." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm glad it didn't get picked up. <laughs> I I watched that show. I'm honestly Freddy living the boys, man. for homeowners TGIF. association, Freddy. Yeah, like at the end, he goes to a party with Jason in the car. You know, fuck, oh, man, that would have been great. I just love Freddy's anger here. You know, yeah. like he's robbed of a kill, and he deserves to get the piss taken right. here. Like you've 
earned this, man. I can, can you imagine Adam Green in that whole getup, though? I know with the bleached hair and everything, but like <laughs> this, but like this is what I you know love. Like this is you know Pride Before the Fall. This is a hell of Freddy's own making. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens that he spirals out of control that pisses him off so much he's directly responsible for that and you know of all things in this movie that i you know i i will cry foul on i've smoked an insane amount of weed in my life and there hasn't been one time where i didn't hold my old joint though <laughs> god King Gershon, this King, whole is tall. it's so well he's also on platform mm-hmm. shoes Oh, but I, yeah, I've met him. Would he is you, a very tall man. Yeah. I mean, if you saw a guy that looked like this, beautiful right there, you would god. not tell him to go fuck a pig, right? Oh my god, I fucking love his nonchalance here. I love Jason's general aloofness in this because it plays off Freddy's, you know, like like ankle biting yippee dog mm-hmm. anchor. Do you think, though, getting all that Everclear, that, those drugs thrown all over Jason, that really inspired his quest to grow pot in the next film? Possibly. Yes. I will stand by that for so long because I think that's, you know, that's the Jason Voorhees version of a deer call. Like, <laughs> that is amazing shit to just be like, oh, you know, well, I want teenagers to come here to die. Just plant some pot and they'll show up and then I'll do my thing. Oh, man, I what love, difference I, love I think between like Freddy and Jay is like Freddy actively seeks out victims. Yeah, just show up, and Jason is just you could make the argument he's like defending his his turf, which I have. I've definitely written that article mm-hmm. before. Right, like but, these people, he doesn't really go out of his way to find victims. No. They just keep coming to him. Yeah, it's just it's just what he does. He doesn't care. And Fred, I love that this movie, you know, especially with some of the creepier elements, really hones in on what a predator Freddy is uh-huh. because it plays so much into the fact that Freddy is ultimately a victimizer by nature. And Jason is at the start, at least, a victim. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a hard you know, difference between the characters. Mm-hmm. And I also want to remember, point out here that uh, Jason reeks of beer the entire rest of the movie yes that's what i was about to say as much shit as i give worm jason in and jason goes to hell he didn't get drugs and beer thrown on him the entire movie like, that, that was an was entire about something is one of my favorite lines in the yes i like that line that goalie was pissed about something that's what freeberg's for he served his purpose I'm not a fan of Kelly Rowland. I mean, in this movie. I, I was just because I dug out uh, the official movie magazine, which I've had for, I guess, 17 goddamn years now mm-hmm. uh, today. And her, she could barely pretend to be excited for this mm-hmm. movie. She famously, uh, even uh, by her own admittance, had a huge problem with the uh, the swearing that Kia does, which is uh, 
really interesting when we get to a certain line she says later in the movie that she improvised herself. Right. Anywho. (laughs) But yeah, like this was, I believe, her first acting job in general, ever. Mm -hmm. What else has she done? I can't really think of anything she's been in. Yeah, she may have been in a band once, but there you go. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, but <laughs> in Will's defense, I will admit this looks bad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what Will sees here, I remember. God, this is such a deep cut, but there was like, like I want to say like a Super Bowl commercial, like maybe around this time of the late 2000s, that was so weirdly kind of specific that I don't even remember what it was for, but it was a dude who is cooking spaghetti sauce and <laughs> he's also chopping something else and his cat gets on the stove and it knocks off the spaghetti and then it gets on the... Uh, floor and the cat gets in the spaghetti sauce and he picks up uh the cat covered in red sauce and he's holding the knife the second that his uh girlfriend walks in to the room and it's like oh what a misunderstanding (laughs) it's like what kind of commercial it's such a randomly specific thing they're like don't you hate it when your girlfriend thinks you murdered your cat There's a there's a, a line that just happened a little bit ago that I laugh at every time, where it's like he's he's choking out Will and Will smiling the whole time, like you said, Nat, yes. and she just goes she just goes stop it stop it fuck and runs. That's my favorite delivery of hers in this movie. <laughs> Do you remember how pissed off Tarantino was that the line from the trailer wasn't used in the movie like the place your bets thing Mm -hmm. understandably because people were literally placing their bets in the theater (laughs) I mean the whole marketing (laughs) campaign hinged on that line so yeah Yeah, there was was that fake like weigh in with the two characters yes oh my god the Vegas way see I ate up every single promotion Mm -hmm. like because this was the biggest movie i was 14 this was the biggest movie event of my life uh and i don't think any movie could ever even top what this was for me at the time i literally taught myself to read screenplay format when i was 10 to read the various scripts for this movie that had leaked online Uh by that point so this was like the one of the first movies I'd ever like really, really anticipated. And by, you know, 2002 or whatever, I didn't think it was ever coming out. So like when it was actually happening, it was, it was nuts. It was unbelievable. I was on the website like every day with their mm-hmm. make your own screensaver. Maybe every single variation. <laughs> Dude, I remember that. That's funny. <laughs> you know what's funny is like like as like critics or writers a lot of us like we get invited to these really cool events you know like premieres and that kind of stuff but this movie came out a good i think six years before i started writing and i remember on the dvd they showed kind of like that press event that they had where they invited all the critics to like this summer camp to show them the movie and that kind uh-huh. of stuff that is still like 
I regret not being in like the writing industry, like, you know, critic stuff like back then, because as a longtime fan for both franchises, can you imagine how amazing that must have been? Oh yeah, totally. This seat, like as light of a tone as this movie by and large kind of has, this scene is harrowing. Brutal. Uh, like, like, first of all, you get an actor who has already traumatized an entire generation in a Christmas story. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that you have the blood literally squirting out of his arms, like, yeah. I remember he recreated that whole monologue on the Never Sleep Again documentary that was fun too. One thing they did as a, I think, kind of more little-known promotion uh, for this movie handed out at some theaters uh, that the Sleeping Pills just made me thought of is um, they had uh, like pill bottles of Hypnosil that were actually <laughs> like a cinnamon candy. That oh they had, like, could you imagine any movie now handing out pill bottles as a promotional item? I remember at Fantastic Fest 2015, the premiere of The Sacrament happened. And Fantastic Fest, in the middle of the movie, they gave us all these little cups of Kool-Aid to drink (laughs) during The Sacrament. And I remember thinking that was in such bad taste at the time. Uh It's like, whoa, this is is hard. Yeah, no, this, this whole sequence is like rough, man. Yeah, this is also, you know, very importantly, that, Freddy's that black one light kill. Is great. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one of the. This feels right at home, like in oh, a Nightmare right. on Elm Street movie, right here. Yeah, and the, the way the five. skin bubbles off as yeah. he's turning back, you know, into Freddy form. Like, as much as we. Uh, you know, wisely kind of criticize some of the CGI. There's some nuts practical effects. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do you think? What do you guys think of the makeup on Freddy in this one? I think uh, like concession that England's a bit older at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't look terrible. Um, Looks like I'm maybe like, they could do it a little quicker than than the old yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that. I think it was designed to be easier on him. Uh, I really didn't love it at the time, but I think it it harkens back enough to, uh, you know, the uh, Kevin Yeager era. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, I, I like it more than I like the makeup in New Nightmare because it's a recognizable Freddy to me. I yeah. I love the makeup in New Nightmare, but I love it. I like this a lot better than Dream Child, which is a makeup sure. I, I can't stand. Yeah, yeah, same. Freddy with jowls really gets under my skin and not the mm-hmm. right way. You know, he could be the most like Oscar-worthy actor of all time. I don't think he is, but I'm just saying for for my joke. You know, but I will never be able to take Lachlan Monroe like serious in a movie. Well, I mean, it's not just the fact that he was like in scary movie and everything. <laughs> And, you know, probably a whole generation of people remember him as Baby Dick. But it's the fact that in in this, it always struck me, like, I know he has a very serious character, but it kind of feels like he's still acting like he's in 
scary, scary movie. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he he looks like I don't know. Like he looks like he would be just like a, a frequent like attendee of like like a MMA store, you know? However, like, I just I don't know. He believably feels like a cop. Yeah. <laughs> so it works, I guess. A <laughs> cab. Uh, <laughs> yeah this whole sequence I, I always forget that this one is in the movie when I watched it with my kids earlier this week I totally forgot about it and when all this stuff happened you know when she had that dream I was like it, yeah it was an uncomfortable moment for my kids oh, for yeah. a second yeah no this movie really pleasantly uh, plays up what a scumbag Freddy is because you know this is monster WrestleMania. He's the heel and you want to see him get his ass kicked. Yeah. Okay. How does he know where their clubhouse is? The Scooby van out front. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he just says it. Jesus. Stupid Jerry. Yeah, no, I love that script notes are clearly addressed bluntly in this movie. <laughs> Like, you clearly have notes in the margins. They're like, wait a minute, how does he know where they are? So that you have a line of dialogue. Like, how do he I know where you are? He basically, he basically tells the backstory. You know, the counselors are watching him. They made the mistake of killing his mother. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember part four? It was really good. Chris Glover danced in it. Did you guys ever see that one? I would love it if he just walked in and just word <laughs> for word, nope, to see if anybody notices. He just sits down and says, now, I don't want to scare anybody, but I'm going to give it to you straight about straight Jason. About Jason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that guy is just like so dying to take that J-wig off. Again, missed connections this movie could have had. He could have easily been Paul. <laughs> we never saw Paul again, and I could have believed <laughs> Paul becoming a cop. Yeah. Oh, there we go. How can we use that? I love that that can at least be passed off as a stupid thing she says in her dream. Yeah. Oh, Coke products in uh, Freddy vs. Jason. That's why I really can't trust this movie. <laughs> Pepsi. I mean, I did just write an article on Pepsi Blue. So Yeah, you did. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Props to Council of Zoom, man. I love that site. I yeah, I'm really happy for the nonsense. We're, you know, uh, I forgot I forgot that that site was gonna launch because I think you and I have been writing like stuff for them for like months before they mm-hmm, launched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Cecil, I mean I really too into arguably the worst one of the worst scenes in the movie, but this does say a lot about Laurie's insecurities. That she's just like, oh yeah, you know, my your friends just, you know, my best friend and my boyfriend clearly just want to run away with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the dad part of it? Well, that's Freddie. Oh, that's true. I have learned throughout the entire series that Freddie really has a thing for tongue kissing. Yes. It, he, you know? he loves his tongue moves. Okay. He loves now, it. This, this does not really line up with anything. <laughs> like, imagine if uh, Nancy pulled the hat out of her dream and it turned it into dissolves. maggots. 
Yeah, sometimes you can get too cute for your own good. Yeah, welcome to the plot, Lori. <laughs> okay, I love this. This is such an overlooked detail. I love that fucking, like, you know, over 10, like 15 years later, Hypnosil is still not approved still not by approved. the FDA. <laughs> <laughs> oh god the FDA is still unsure whether or not it has been under the review it's fucking Donald Pleasance over here <laughs> okay what kind of fort yeah what kind of fort Knox has what is Weston Hills right here well I mean they've had their issues in the past <laughs> But Jesus, yeah, I, I love this. Like anybody can walk in and walk out at any time. Like this whole security area looks more like they'd be in Tron than like a you know Weston Hills. Maybe they were also trying to tie in like uh, Cube. <laughs> I think they're tying tying Doctor Loomis with the security guard. The security guard who was absolutely the love child of <laughs> Donald Pleasance and the Big Show. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, I interviewed the Big Show when Vedetta came out, and I was trying to make conversation because I had no idea who he was. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, so now you've done this movie. Like, is there any kind of genre that you haven't done that you would like to? And he's like, well, I don't think I'm going to get a call for romantic comedies, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this whole sequence, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This also, like, I really genuinely love how much this movie highlights, like, the shit the town of Springwood gets up to. Yeah. As a whole. It's it's different than the, uh, the parents in uh, Freddy's Dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the Freddy's dead parents just seem like really like broken hearted about everything. And this one's just like, no, we're going to put our kids in Weston Hills. We're going to give them a seal. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, oh, we're, we're fighting, you know, a larger evil. We're fighting a greater thing. So, you know, our children who slipped into a coma, that's a small price to pay. We'll just, we just don't tell people about it. Yeah. My son, he's 11. When he watched this this week with me, he saw this whole sequence with the caterpillar. And the first thing that came out of his head is like, so dad, I know this movie has Easter eggs. Is this an homage to Jason Goes to Hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never loved him more. See, I've, that, you know, Jason gets like beer and drugs thrown on him, but Freddy smokes out and blows it into somebody's face, gives him like contact high. Mm -hmm. Like, this movie's wild. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, this is a nice way to tie back to Nightmare 2, which was kind mm -hmm. of an outlier of the franchise, to be like, oh yeah, Freddy possesses people. It's a thing he can do. Like, let's utilize it. Yeah.
for some reason, those bloody eye patches really unnerve me. Right? Oh, not Jay. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> CGI guys. Freddy Pillar. Okay, but imagine how uncomfortable a practical Freddy Pillar would have looked. Right. Yeah. Like it would have been no. the, the Nightmare 3 snake all over again. Just be like, ah, uh, <laughs> Kevin, that's a penis. <laughs> I find it incredibly hard to believe that they didn't see that in advance. Like yeah. I saw that as a kid and thought it was a wiener, you know? <laughs> This is like such a lackluster character getting such a lackluster death here. Yeah. <laughs> he just gets grabbed and electrocuted by proxy and then he's gone as if he was never there to begin with. Well, it's like Chris Marquette's death. Like you almost don't realize that he died. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like he gets thrown against the wall like, oh, I got stabbed. And That's it. Yeah. There was a movie with Chris Marquette and Anton Yelchin that came out a couple years ago called uh, I think Broken Horses. Did you guys see that one? I didn't know. Aware of it. I, I think it's it was... really, really good. I would definitely recommend it. Like I know it, it sounds like a movie that like Billy Bob Thornton would direct, but no, like it's it's actually like really, really good. Kelly Rowland was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, like I don't know. I, I could, I could see like a lot of different actresses in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like she might have been like a studio choice, which is not, you know, anything against her like getting the part. But like in the interview, uh, you know, I read with her in the official movie magazine. <laughs> she didn't sound like she kind of expected it or necessarily like wanted it. Like her main thing was she wanted to be in a movie. Yeah. What better movie to start out with than Freddy versus Jason. I would have been honored to start my career. Dude, right? I could see myself playing, you know, the Chris Marquette role. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or the Monica Keener role. I mean, either one. (laughs) That wig. Oh my god. And oh my god, this is getting into I love to balance this movie strives with both characters. Mm -hmm. Be like, you know, bounce out the screen time to the point of like, okay, we're going to obviously have uh, a fight to Freddy's advantage and we're gonna have a fight to Jason's advantage. Like especially you know being 14 and knowing all these movies by heart already like i ate that up to be like oh oh you're in you're in a dream jason this is bad news this is bad news for you (laughs) i feel like these sequences would be matt donato's favorite you know with all the reds this is red this is another (laughs) thing i've always loved about this movie this movie literally has three colors it is blue red or green <laughs> it's just christmas and freddy's sweater <laughs> well it's like this movie is stark blue and then it gets to the boiler room and it is stark red 
And then, you know, the color changes and it is vibrant green. Now, is this the goriest movie in the series aside from Jason Goes to Hell? I, I think it's uh, gorier if you just count all, all the blood. Mm-hmm. I believe it's... there's something like they used uh, like an Olympic-sized swimming pool of, of blood on Jesus. this movie. Like, it's insane, especially the fights at the end with them. Like, it's oh, yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I live for that. They're climbing the fuck out of each other. And, like, Jason, you know, he's just going with it. Like, he's, he hasn't been through this shit since he fought a telekinetic girl. Right. <laughs> he's just like, but, oh, wow, they usually don't give me this much lift. Yeah. Like, he's like, I haven't felt this pain since the William Butler era. <laughs> I mean, Robert Englund. starting to embrace <clears throat> a little bit of that kind of, like, more comical... Silly mm-hmm. era of Freddy with you know the pinball and things mm-hmm. pinging yeah. around a little bit. <laughs> the, the noises, the sound. You effects. can tell. You can tell that Robert England is having so much fun in this right. movie. Yes, that's he something I really his... you know wanted to to touch on too because he knows it's his swan song. I mean, this movie obviously makes like a ton of money and is very successful. And you think it would be really obvious to go and do more of them. But I think he, he goes into this very much knowing like, hey, this is it for me. Well, yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I don't think it was super intentional because they did try to develop uh, some stuff after. Mm-hmm. But like, I think in, in retrospect, it is a great swan song mm-hmm. for him because he goes out on the most successful movie. Like the, he's taught billing this movie is a huge box office success. And this is a movie that fans had wanted basically as long as he'd been playing the character. Right. Getting this movie, this is 2003, correct? Mm -hmm. Getting this movie in 2003 versus say 1993, I think helps it too, because it had been a decade since you had gotten Freddy Krueger or nine years since you had gotten Freddy Krueger on screen and you had only had one Friday the 13th movie between 1993 and this and that would be Jason X which Mm -hmm. is a fun movie but doesn't really you know it's not a beloved movie but it's also essentially just made as a tee up yeah exactly it was made in a way just because Sean Cunningham had said like all right you know enough is enough if you're not going to make Freddy versus Jason, I'm going to make something to get our, you know, our name out there. And again, I don't get Jason being afraid of water, being that he literally walked underground or underwater to get to Manhattan um, and pops up out of lakes all the time. Yeah. I I mean, I also thought, because it wasn't, that line was a Goyer line and it wasn't, uh, Shannon and Swiss intent mm-hmm. to say he's afraid of water because literally you can even point to this movie alone where by the end of this movie he's freely coming you know in and out of water just like right. he always has but it's mostly it's Freddie doing what he does and using Jason's trauma 
against him. It's not that he's afraid of, of water. It is in particular his own drowning. Right. Which is also why he flashes back to his childhood kind of, kind of self there. This is my favorite sequence of the movie. This, all of this looks so good. Like that shot of him just wading across the lake we just said, that is, ah, uh, chef's kiss. That is a one perfect shot moment of Freddy versus Jason. Now these are some like expensive ass black lights. Yeah. Because that's some good lighting. And you know, I've I bought like a one or two ninety-nine cents for black lights, and they, they are not this fucking good. That and Jason Ritter does not strike me as someone that's into the misfits. So get rid of that air freshener. Right. Well, this is his dead friends fan. Oh, that is true. <laughs> He's already taken. <laughs> uh, this is another thing that uh yeah, people take wisely the way it's presented take issue with is that the way this is edited and the way it kind of made it into the finished film, this is a hop, skip, and a jump from right. Springwood, Ohio to Crystal Lake, New Jersey. And that's because this was explicitly in the script, like a, a, a long road trip. Like they were going like for a, a long time. And that's why they keep dosing Jason up in the van because they're like, you know, this is like a day's trip. This shit's just fucking mean. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, Freddie making him relive this is very on brand. But this also, I think this scene, I, I think it's interesting that this made it into the movie in any capacity because one of the more interesting ideas in previous scripts uh, that um, didn't make it, that was kind of passed around is that Freddie was the person that pushed, was the counselor yeah. Jason into the water. Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading that. Now, I'm a huge, huge admirer of Dustin McNeil's work. You know, mm -hmm. especially, I mean, God damn, I've been reading Taken Shape 2 all week and it's mm -hmm. amazing. But the only book of his that I have not read is the Slash of the Titans one. Mm -hmm. How how good is that? Like it's I know great. you mentioned that one. It's it's a really good. terrific. Yeah, it's a yeah. really terrific read because uh, I mean, similar to Taking Shape, I actually maybe prefer to Taking Shape overall because um, Taking Shape two, I should say, because same idea. Like, what are all the unproduced movies? And I think yeah. that, like, the thing about Freddy versus Jason versus say the Halloween movies. And I'm only about a third of the way through that right now is like, there were some wild swings for yeah. Freddy versus Jason, some really fascinating takes. And you get people like Ron Moore, who best known for Battlestar Galactica, yeah. making a, a swing at it. You get David Chow um, taking some swings at it. So you get some really creative mm -hmm. takes that are out there versus, you know, a Halloween series, there's really only so much that people really do with it. You know? Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know. There is that script in that book where the shape is a rock star with leather pants. So, <laughs> and Even that one is just like, it's still um, it's, you know, it's still a guy yeah, in a mask. That's still you know? not as absurd you. 
as Freddie and Jason being brought to life via the internet to bring about a Y2K apocalypse. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you get like oh. ritual sacrifice. You get wrestling rings that are made out of um, stretched out human entrails. Like you get some really crazy uh, shit. Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer cameos. Like yes, there's yeah. all sorts oh, of shit. Oh my Lord. That was, and I love, especially because it's been so long, that Dustin managed to do inter- interviews with every screenwriter. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's one of my favorite things about both Taking Shape books is the I, the interviews. This is a shot I love. Oh, yeah. I, that's a shot mm-hmm. I love of Freddy jumping out of the water like that. Yes. And now he the looks devil a bit more look. demonic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of looks like my mom. And he is so pissed here like we see freddie get pissed a lot but we rarely see freddie get this pissed and he looks like pasta so that makes it even better because that's really good (laughs) (laughs) when my kids watched it this week i i told them you know you've you've been to that house and i showed them a picture from like i think three or four years ago when Mm -hmm. we went to that house because anyone that's ever went to la you know, I, I mm-hmm. live by there, so I tend to go there quite often. But anyone that visits LA has to go to this house. But yeah, it, it's such an iconic house, and it's like a street over from the Halloween houses. Too. I was going to ask: like, Are the two in the same neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, they're very close together. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, like uh, the Doyle's house and that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. the. You know the Myers house is, and the Myers house and a couple others are in Pasadena. But for the most part, yeah, a lot of them are right in the same neighborhood as the Elm Street houses. So I also love considering all the criticisms people have of like, why do they, you know, why do people keep reopening Crystal Lake over and over? Which they don't really, but it's a thing people have with this franchise. I love the idea that they're just fucking tearing down Crystal Lake to build a resort. Right. And I think that was borrowed from one of the previous scripts. That was one of the elements that made it in that like Crystal Lake was going to get turned into like luxury condos. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was also, it had a bigger role even in earlier drafts of their version where they were going to work in a, uh, a Tommy Jarvis cameo. Really, where, where he would be like protesting the opening mm-hmm. of this of this resort, and then it was going to be, I think, even right up until filming, there was going to uh, people in town like complaining about that Jarvis boy, that Jarvis guy, right, who keeps uh, incessantly uh, telling them not to build the resort. See, that was my that was the one thing in the new Marcus interview on the box set that didn't make me want to put my head in the oven like Sylvia Plath style was that he talked about Paul Lamatt's character originally supposed to be Tommy Jarvis. And God, that would have been kind of cool. Well, okay. first of all, uh, I think that's John LeMay. Paul Lamatt is uh, <laughs> You're right. the, the mulleted star of Puppet Master. <laughs> And American Greedy. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm a little high. I do yeah, love right. Chris Marquette right. running at him with the American flag. Yeah. Very yeah, patriotic. You know, it's very promptly like getting the... impaled. Yeah. Yeah, especially on election day here. Like yeah. what is what does that say about jingoism and the 
Ford War Follies of the 2003. Especially uh, the fact that this is shot in Canada with much of a Canadian cast. Right. They're like, what? American flag? What's that all about? This moment is everything to me because I live for the moment. Freddy is notoriously as a character. Mm -hmm. He gets scared shitless the moment he loses the upper hand. As soon as he's not in a power position of power, he stops his taunting Mm -hmm. and he genuinely looks terrified. And that is the biggest moment of all. Because deep down, he's uh a bully, you know? Like Freddy is a bully and his initial yeah. victims they weren't teenagers and when he was a human his victims were little children exactly like as soon as he's like not you know up on a platform like looking down on somebody else as soon as he's remotely evenly matched like the facade just drops mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about this is like dude if i get scratched awesome. with like if i if i get a paper cut i like i cry about it for like 20 days Jason Ritter got like slashed with a machete and he's chill as fuck in like 10 minutes. Yeah. It was all to hit myself. Right. <laughs> I don't know why this isn't you know, approved by the FDA. I can't feel anything <laughs> below my neck. <laughs> I have no dreams. Like... <laughs> This is a weird death, but there's also something kind of um, kind of sad about it, right? And that he's just left to, to die, and he you know turns her away because he doesn't want her to see him die. And the whole movie, she's been a fucking dick to him. Yep, that's a lot of blood. Poor Chris Marquette. Uh, here, here, here it is. Here it is, folks. Dude, this is this is where it gets crazy. God, this movie's fun. Oh my god, this inexcusable fucking moment. How does so, you know, even in, in 2003, how does someone let this go? Both yeah, and granted, like, that moment, I, like, I've watched a lot of aughts comedies recently, and there was a liberal use of this word. Mm-hmm. But, like, this wasn't in the script. Like, she improvised this. Right, and no one, like... No one on set, no one in editing, no one at test screenings. Yeah, like it, yeah. To have it make it in, uh, and, you know, Shannon and Swim. Obviously, like you said, like it's not in the script. They're like, this is not our line. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how does how does no one catch this and say like this? We're not going to do this. Yeah, and the way this scene was in this, that their script was so cool. Mm-hmm where uh it's it's actually it's just her with with jason and then freddie mm-hmm. kind of comes in to comment on it at the end yeah and it's uh her you know taunting and saying the stuff to to jason and being like i'm not afraid of you i take you know i don't give you any energy you can't power yourself from any of my fear and Freddie just pops up behind her and he's like, uh, wrong one, bitch. Yeah, that's my and stick. Freddie, <laughs> and Jason kills her. Which is and so much like, better. Oh my God, she dies for not getting the lore, right? Right. That is so much better in terms of, of knowing the franchise, in terms of like playing into the history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I, so now we're getting into like, 
basically what everybody came for. You're coming, you know, for, you came for Freddy versus Jason, and now you're getting Freddy I, versus Jason. God, does this movie deliver, especially because right. there are a <laughs> lot of scripts for this movie that either one or in some cases, both of these characters were barely in. And the fight is over the last like five pages. Right. And this movie really makes sure you get what you pay for. Yeah. There are some so like well-constructed set pieces. Uh, I like the way, you know, Freddie, you know, uses the environment to his advantage here because he's, he's not going to physically outmatch him. And what's, what, one of the things Ronnie you talks about is filming this, like he let, as a, the style of the time was very much like let's have as many quick cuts as possible mm -hmm. like you know and like make it really kinetic a lot of camera movement a lot of cuts like boom 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 and he basically set up the three cameras and let them run and told yeah. his second unit third unit directors like just let it run um so you get these like longer cuts and you it feels like a lot more visceral. It feels a lot real. It just also, as a viewer, it's a lot easier to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And now, it shows off like great stunt choreography where you're like, let's mm -hmm. not cut away from it. Let's just, you know, show it. Do you guys know who did the stunts or the choreography to this by any chance? Um, I don't. I, I had that at some point. I'm gonna look that up right now because I'm such a sucker for like like stuntmen in general. Like mm -hmm. I, I just I, I love the whole idea of it. It's awesome. Yeah, I really got into like noticing stunt choreography. Where mm -hmm. uh, when I was still in film school, I did I worked on a I you know was in crew on a short um, with the stunt choreographer from Blade. Oh, wow. And just watching him like work, you know, every day, I was like, and just watching like the shit get mapped out and rehearsed. I was like, and the, the way it's laid out in the space of the set and everything, I was just like, this is so cool. And it's also yeah. why I advise um, anyone who's even halfway interested in movies, even just in writing them, to get like on set experience. Because yeah. that do, doing that and seeing that helped me write fights so much better. You know, oh. just seeing what goes into constructing. Yeah. See, it made me terrified. I was uh, uh, an old friend of mine, Jose Prendes, was doing this movie originally called Divine Tragedies, but then it was renamed Blood Brothers. And he, he was like, yeah, come to the set. We'll kill you in a movie theater. <laughs> And I, I went there and I'm in this movie and it's like this really long one shot of so many people getting killed in the movie theater. Like me, Shane Bitterman, uh, you know, Sean C. Phillips, all these people killed in this movie theater. <laughs> and it was this one shot and I fucked up an entire sequence uh, by like coming in too soon of mm. reacting to get hit in the head with a hammer. And like the amount of venom that the first AD threw at me, it's like, Fuck, I admire these actors so much for having to do yeah. this. Yeah. I I love that no matter what uh 
Freddie does, he can't piss him off. I think that's part of what fuels Freddie's anger so yeah. much is he loves getting under people's skin and he can't with Jason. He cuts, he just cut all of Jason's fingers off and Jason just looked at it like, well, that happened. He poked him in the fucking eyes with his glove. Oh, yeah. Like the last person that was so chill about getting their eyes like shot out or poked out was Michael Myers. Like in four, he's just like, no, it's cool. I can see again. Yeah. I sleep for 10 years. I'm good. <laughs> this is so bloody and gory. Oh, oh I love yeah, it. Look is, at this. They just go to town on each other. <laughs> like this God, is exactly man. how... A Freddy vs. Jason movie should I like if you're I, I, visualizing the ideal Freddy vs. Like Jason in your head, you visualize them covered in blood because you know this isn't Spider Man fighting the Green Goblin. These people are going to hack the hell out of each other. Every and, time, uh, see, growing up, if I ever pictured Freddy vs. Jason, I always pictured Jason with no fingers, just through putting those little nubs into Freddy's chest, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. You know what's crazy is like, honestly, in 100% sincerity, I didn't like this movie when I saw it in the theater. And it's only been like watching it over and over throughout the years that I've learned to really appreciate the hell out of it. It's such a fun movie. That's the way I was with uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, though. <laughs> I mean, I could see... I could see not loving this, especially someone like you, Jerry, who's like a more traditionalist for the Friday the 13th movies. Like, and it's very much like you're not getting the Jason from like one through four, right? I mean, you're getting like latter period Jason. Yeah, you're absolutely getting the Jason from like six through eight. Or it's a bit sillier and a bit more tongue in cheek in a lot of ways. I think part of the reason you appreciate this movie more is like you only get after this one remake for each of the series and one of them is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like it's one of the biggest disappointments I've ever seen. Um, And the other one was really good. Yeah. I think the most offensive thing about this movie, like it's, it's a fun movie, but the most offensive thing is like, if you're going to get a back tattoo and it's not a tramp stamp, Make sure the placement's right. Like her tattoo is way oh. too far to the right, you know? As someone that's like heavily adorned with tattoos, like just get the placement right, lady. Sure. I love impaling Freddy with his yes. own, glove. own glove because I just adore the idea that Jason yeah. can't speak and still manages to get the last word in. Look at his surprise. <laughs> oh my God. What? I remember when I met Monica Kina, who I guess wisely kind of, she did not, nor did she ever really plan to see uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. When I told her, we had a conversation about how they ripped off the end of this movie for the remake. She couldn't believe it because she is literally like she basically says the same line and does the same Rooney Mara does Mm -hmm. like the same line does the same thing in what is essentially the very next movie like nobody like nobody would notice like this was a movie a lot of people saw 
Well, like everything about the Elm Street remake, you know, it was just kind of lazy and uninspired. Like, well, that, that everything about that movie, just like, hey, did you like this in one of the other movies? Here's us calling back to it, just not. Well, near it's so the the problem is that they 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 try to recreate like really iconic moments, but in a movie that doesn't call for them. Like, yeah. I don't want I don't want a super serious, very molestation heavy movie to be like, how's this for a wet dream? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. honestly, Ew. and I'm I'm not trying to turn this commentary into like super serious, but as a survivor of sexual assault as a kid. Like a super serious Freddy movie that's like, how is this for a wet dream? Like it's offensive as fuck. You yeah, know what it, I mean? But like, but like Nightmare Four, like it's just kind of a silly throwaway line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think the remake was completely at odds with itself because right. it tried to do my, new things and old things in equal doses. My this kids ending, hate, hate that ending so much. My kids hate it so much. I love this ending. Yeah, I love ending is little wink. So it's, much better than the other ending right. they shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that alternate ending is pretty even worse. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. listeners, we hope you enjoyed our fan commentary for Freddy versus Jason. I know it served as a really good distraction for the three of us right now. Um, you know, as you're listening to this, we hope everyone is safe. And yeah, I'm terrified now again of what I might be hearing as soon as this ends. Yes. Um, yeah, me too. But yeah, this was a lot of fun to do. And, you know, we will be back next week, pretty much wrapping up, unfortunately, wrapping up the Nightmare on Elm Street series with the 2010 remake. Uh, and I think you can kind of, you know, tell from the way we've, brought it up here you know we kind of like tipped our hand as to how we feel about it but you know as far as the original series goes because i would consider this movie canonical with the original series given um you know basically given the portrayals like it's a really fun way for robert england to go out as freddy krueger uh in a really fun way to conclude my favorite of you know any of the franchises that we've covered and probably overall my favorite franchise period so uh really quickly though my biggest gripe in this movie is the tattoo placement but it's the fact that zach ward before this movie and after this movie called himself zach ward but the only movie that he tried to be super prestigious about was this one where he's labeled as zacharias ward so fair enough <laughs> take that how you will all right fair enough we'll be back next week <laughs>